There are two things that all MSK therapists have in common the world over. They love free trials and exercise prescription. So if you're a Cairo, Physio, Osteo, or some sort of Oskaisio hybrid, then head to rehabmypatient.com forward slash physiomatters now and get three months on us of the best exercise prescription software available. Alex Murray, welcome to Chewing It Over. As a podiatrist, I assume you're talking about insoles or something. Is that what you've got <laughs> planned for us at Therapy Live, mate? That, that's it. It's actually a, a sneak attack. I'm launching an international orthotic lab. I'm here to just tell you how to make the best orthotic prescription uh, you yep. can possibly make, uh, proprietary, obviously. Um, that, that cures oh. all shoulder and jaw pain. That's the... That's the, the... That jaw pain is, is, a, is a big untapped market. You've hit, hit the nail on the head. Look, this is, you've hit exactly on why I, I, I don't love the title podiatrist in right. a way. Like I do love it and I love hate relationship. It's okay. because it comes with a lot of baggage. It's just like, you're going to look at someone's gait. You're going to look at, you know, what's wrong and then give them an orthotic or a shoe or, or, or sell them something. And I, I did that for a while. And then you sort of realize it works for some people, works for others. And it sometimes it's not enough. So what what I'm going to be talking about, you know, at Therapy Live and, and what I sort of talk about in all my ed education that I give is the podiatry side of things and then the things that I've learned as a strength and conditioning coach, things I've learned as, a, as an MSK therapist doing rehab. Um, people confuse me for the physio and the clinic I'm now, now working in because it's just patients get what they need and it yeah. just comes from someone who spent their entire life studying the foot, the ankle, and then maybe a bit of anterior knee pain here or there. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you're getting the the full gambit and just someone who just, just looks at the, at the foot. Yeah. Gotcha. Now I think that what's relevant to say to the listeners that, that, that may have heard of, of some of your work before, even we've, we've chatted before we first met at least on air of, of chatting about course health of all things, which for those that don't know, or those that have got hazy memories of it was a, a project really studying and understanding uh, the philosophy uh, associated to the to causation within not just MSK practice, but how, where, where physiotherapy sits within that, but also causation in healthcare and, and in medicine, et cetera. And we, we had you know a great chat about that. And we spoke a lot about context specificity and, and, and the sociological factors affecting people's behavior, both, in terms of what can be causal but also then what can cause recovery um and so i know that you're really literate on those high holistic values as well with something like this at therapy live just to give the, the audience your title developing individualized treatment plans for plans of heal pain from runners to retail workers so you've then i know you enough to know that you would never be on the zooming in so close to the microscope of the of the of the of the plantar fascia but I also know that, uh, like anything, we need to know which lens to see things through. So how are you going about approaching building this therapy live talk with all of the things that I know you could muse on uh, in only 30 minutes, 45 minutes? Yeah, look, that, that is the thing. It's, it's also how you fit it all in in 30 minutes. So <laughs> I'm going to say something odd as well. I'm going to zoom out by zooming in. Okay. Which, uh, which you know, I, I can explain. You think, how do you do that? And it sort of comes back. I was in uh, seeing Greg Lehman talk. And one of the things that he talked about is he talked about how biomechanics research just proves biomechanics. Mm. 
uh, as as a field. And right. the idea is that if you zoom in so close on one topic and you actually look at it, you actually look at the, the research and the lens that they're using in the zoomed in research often disproves or has links and saying, actually, there is something else going on here. And I think right. that's really, really useful when you're looking at something like the plantar fascia, partially because we've, most of our research is zoomed in. Uh, and we're going to, we can look at it and then go with a lens of saying, well, hold on a second. We're looking at an individual. We're looking at people, uh, you know, from the retail worker to the runner, to very, very different, completely different context, completely different life. You know, you've got some people that are often shift workers, some people who, um, you know, are, are training a huge amount and sometimes, you know, are doing work also on their feet. Very, very different. And then we look at what research we currently have, it clearly starts to show actually there's something else going on here. Actually there's um, a context that we can understand how the research was done. And then it gives us some of the answers actually when we're zooming out and saying, okay, what's right for this individual? How much does this person need, need to do? What happens uh, when, when things do become a lot more chronic? What could be some more um, holistic in quotation marks treatments? Mm. So it's, it's the, the chat's going to be quite, specific and but showing people and saying well th these are the treatments that we have available what where do they fit based on the research we have who would we be using on why would we be using that on 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 them what is it actually doing and then if we're thinking about someone in their their entire life where that's going to fit in because and, and the biggest issue we have is just the, the the research that we do have that people often look at are rcts or systematic reviews of rcts and so We've got all this information, beautiful information out there in case studies, in case series, in um, observation studies, which gives us all these bits of lovely bits of details on actually this could be really useful for this population. Or if you if you do this treatment like this or combine these two treatments together, it could actually work more effectively. And we can glean some of the context. You stick out, you, you do in a systematic review of RCTs, it misses all of that doesn't pay attention everything's averaged and there's a new paper just out after i actually put in this um patient <laughs> therapy live that was like turns out we have no research that actually looks at uh certain contexts like runners and elite athletes with heel pain it's all just uh, we actually have most of our studies don't have strict inclusion criterias to limit right. it to a certain population so you know we, i mean we already knew that from anyone who's looked at the research um so but it's been quite decisive to, to say that. that yeah i think i think um what i've what i think is really interesting to try and understand and why i'm looking forward to your session at therapy live is this couple of ways in which you can get to the word individualized which is in your title one is that you would i don't mean you personally but as a therapist we could individualize by way of just further and further stratifying by category um, almost that then a diagnostic category that then becomes a subcategory that then maybe uh, the circumstances or the profile of that person from a retail worker to it. So both got plenty of heel pain that, that on the surface, if they had to write a few sentences about it, sounds similar. And then you, you, you're substratified by main hobby or occupation or whatever, right? And it's just further and further stratification until you get to an N of one, which is certainly one way of, of getting there. But then what I know that... Um, 
know that you're into and, and certainly where kindred spirits on this is instead that you don't need to go down that route you then simply try and understand the full mosaic of factors that would be that person as an individual knowing already that they're an of one as an individual and you're individualizing it based on that in both your uh, sort of uh, i'd say profession or your experience across the professions etc um, do you feel that of those two ways when people sort of talk about individualization do you feel that the one is more pervasive than the other um, and, and and am i right in assuming that you're be, you'd be the the latter rather than the former uh, absolutely the latter rather than the, the former and yeah i do think i mean i guess the the thing is i mostly talk to my biggest connection is is podiatrists and right. Um, so there might be a bit of a skew there, but I definitely see this sort of subgrouping to be a much more, uh, prevalent thing because to be honest, we're not at that point of truly individualized care and subgrouping is just more of a way of, um, not individualizing as the word suggests, but just trying to pick, make a decision. It's a decision-making process more than right. it is. Uh, that's that's what I've seen where it's like, okay, someone comes in, what does the study say is going to be better? You know, we look at the RCT and it says, um, or the systematic review that was recently done, it says, okay, stretching and stretching is better than shockwave. And so you sort of just have this sort of cascade of, okay, you're just trying to, to, to make a decision. So individualized care is, is really primarily a decision that is, made between you and the patient. And right. that's where I think, you know, if we're going to talk about how, what individualized care is, it's a shared decision-making process. It's taking into account patient values. It's doing all the other things that subgrouping can't do because, you, you know, if you've got someone who's, uh, you know, a retail worker, let's just say, let's take the the whole idea of that, that title is it's, it's dichotomizing, um, purposely for the purpose of education, but not, not, yeah. not in reality. Um, they'll have vastly different values and ideas and activities. Someone could be 20, 25, another retail worker could be 60. One could have, you know, just wants to go on a holiday. The other one wants to play with grandkids. There's, there's a vastly different yeah. set of context, but also then a vast set of, of life experiences because I've definitely had people come in and and they've gone, I would like shockwave. This makes the most sense. And I kind of sit there. And if you read the paper, you know, well, stretchings works just as effective, right? But the studies aren't individualized. They aren't right. looking at the, the, what is the consistent factor? Not just we, we had stretching group, we had a non-stretching group or shockwave group, and then who got consistently the better outcomes. And there's also a lot of biases in there as well about financial bias. We can't read a study. Uh, uh, patellofemoral pain studies are, are classics for this when we see similar results between um, orthotics and exercises. And so they go, well, exercises cost less. So why wouldn't you do that? And then you mm. actually dig into the study and you see there's actually, un unfortunately, subgroups, but that's how the research works. But they're no, seeing that, that actually people who have less pain um, who have so lower levels of pain, have higher levels of function, would do better with an orthotic. But people who have high levels of pain, lower levels of function, probably going to do better with exercises. And you can start to glean an idea of, well, hold on a second. Are those people who are, have anterior knee pain, lower function, higher pain, 
what's going on there? Are they people who are just pushing into into pain? Are they people with actually something more going, a, you know, a lot wrong that needs uh, re-education? Are they becoming fear avoidant? Um, there's a whole bunch of these other things that could be happening that exercises are going to be much better for. And the low pain people, you just go, great, here's an insole, go running. <laughs> they do better. And th- Absolutely. And then also the same trials will fail to differentiate sometimes the, uh, or tease out the, the relevant difference between say a 15 year old pubescent male and a 60 odd year old female re- retail worker with very different needs, expectations, but then they get aggregated in that data. And so it takes for us to be thoughtful about how we tease those things out and, and integrate it into our, into our wider reasoning uh, of which, you know, that's why one of the reasons why I was just so over the moon to see that, uh, that you and others had, had gone out to our, our advert for uh, introducing stage guests. Um, it's just exactly what we were hoping for. And the professional diversity on show um, is, is brilliant, but also because in the spirit of therapy live, it's quality MSK therapy, regardless of what flavor of certificates on your wall. Um, and and as you're as you're describing and discussing there, we've all got to have the same goal really as to as to helping that patient with whatever it is that they're coming to see us with. And that seems to be pretty independent. You've got some really interesting thoughts on 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 those sorts of variables. I really definitely want to give you the floor to sort of give me a few of your um, where you're at with your thinking in that direction with regards to that multidisciplinary transdisciplinary uh, aspects. Like give me, I know that's a big topic and they're talking in it of itself uh, for another day, but just out of interest, you know, what, what, what have you been finding in that direction? So I, I'm very much uh, in favor of transdisciplinary care and that's different to multidisciplinary care. And my understanding of this, I have to say is shout out to, to my uh, friend, Sophie Shepard. She's currently doing uh, her PhD, looking into uh, curriculum, designing a, a, cro- uh, a cross profession pr- uh, curriculum for pain care. And you know, a lot of it works on this transdisciplinary care that no matter what profession that you come to with, there is a set of skills and a set of knowledge that's going to be useful and needed across all the professions. And therefore there is a job. I mean, we see this with, with work cover, right. Or, or um, insurance based claims where you have individuals and they put a job out saying, Oh, we need someone who's going to be a caseworker and they can be an EP. They can be an osteo. Uh, you guys probably don't, I don't think you have EPs, exercise physiologists. They can be an osteo. Yeah, they can be, fear, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can be a physiotherapist. You can be lots of different things because they're saying there is a core skill set there that you have. And when we deal with musculoskeletal medicine, I mean, it's the same, you know, you've got the ability to assess that that's a that's a skill that goes across professions you've got um the ability to give exercises you've got the ability to talk to people about their diagnosis and provide them ad- advice about the movement in general their activities that they're doing uh, so they really when we talk about multidisciplinary the idea is that we are all individuals operating in our own pods and working together in a team you know the art you know if you think about a movie you've got like the art department you know the people who are making costumes and you've got the people who are making the sets and despite the fact that they're doing a very similar job they're vastly separate and they talk to each other so one doesn't make a a, a costume that just looks out of place in the set but right. they're doing different jobs whereas mm. what we really need is we need people who are good at both who, who are able to who, or have a have a skill set they share so then there is much more uh cross understanding but then and working better as a team but then when we step back out we've still got those 
really specialized skill sets. I, I don't expect physios, osteos, EPs to be making orthotics. I don't expect them to be um, understanding footwear. I don't expect them to keep up with it in the same way that, you know, I'm going to lean on those people a whole lot more when it comes to really minute details of manual therapy, uh, of um, exercise prescription, of return, maybe some return to sport in, in specific circumstances, because that's their primary skill set. That's their primary focus. Yeah. But in the middle, if someone comes to see me, if they come to see someone else, they should be getting a really um, similar set of care from that one individual. And then they might then send to me for some specialized aspect, but because then I've got those same skills, I can completely understand exactly what they're doing, how they're doing it. And from my specialized skill set perspective, I might then have the ability to actually say, well, my view on this common set of skills that we have is actually slightly different in this situation because I have this specialized knowledge. And so just got this lovely overlap. You think for the Venn diagram, multidisciplinary being the more separate and then sort of having a pipeline in and connections. Transdisciplinary is the whole idea is that we have this lovely overlap. And specifically when we think about things like complex pain um, presentations, uh, persistent pain presentations, uh, I mean, this is, this is um, you know, a, a, a big sort of uh, advert for Sophie's work. But we, we need more of those core skills when we're dealing with those patients and who delivers them, whether they be a psych, a physio, a podiatrist, there is yeah. some set of core skills we should have. And it, it works the same for MSK. The thing is, is in MSK, we often already have that. We're just not right. recognizing that. Um, yeah. And professions like podiatry are not, unfortunately, in, in my personal opinion, and I, I emphasize that, are not taught widely enough. So they leave with a specialized skill set, and that is creating more of that multidisciplinary rather than a transdisciplinary care. And so that's that's where I sit. And so, you know, I can I can sit here and you know I'm aware of things like low back pain research. I'm aware of things like frozen shoulder based research, rotator cuff research, because it's also in having that skill set that's that's just outside a very specialized area. You know, I'm looking into these other areas and going, hey, you know, look at the research over here and look what the studies they're doing over here and look at these case studies and look at this. We don't have research in the foot on fear avoidance really that much. Or we have a very right. small bit. We don't have yeah. it on pain catastrophizing. We don't have anything like that. And so we wonder why if you sit in your shell, you know, we we operate with these these sort of very specialized skill sets and, and kind of very separate, maybe very reductionist looking just at biomechanics is because that's the research that's done because we're not right. looking further out. People get taken by surprise a little bit as well sometimes and where if you hadn't seen the way in which low back pain research, hip research, shoulder research had gone with regards to the failure to correlate tissue pathology with symptom, particularly symptom intensity, symptom, symptom binary on off painful or not, it has some closer links in peripheral joints than it does say centrally in spines but the amount of people podiatrists included but not exclusively that were so blindsided when there were certain signs of that both in the structural pathology and in the biomechanical factors that meant that those correlations didn't hold nearly as well never mind causal inference it is something that having that attention more broadly and holistically is going to mean that you're, you're less surprised and shocked 
can sometimes still be just as frustrating in some ways, but but it's it, it's it's still there, and 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 that's why it's it's great for you to be seeing seeing the, each individual in its in its fullest in order to be able to individualize those programs. Excited to hear and see more about Sophie's work. I think that sounds obviously right up my street, but also we need that common language. We can sometimes make like people are persuaded to move in that direction, but particularly those that have been sort of legacy educated. So it's, it's, it's that then they're having to retrofit through CPD and, and, and own personal interest rather than it being say undergraduates coming through that we can learn the lessons and, 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 and create a better melting pot across MSK. That's a slight, there is a slightly different aspect culturally to that than those of us that are in the game that then have been working a certain way that need to transition over. We need to make sure we've got that common thread of an appropriate language and, and having enough in common so that then we can start to uh, start to realize that that is the more appropriate way to truly help uh, people with their functional uh, functional deficits that we want to try and correct, uh, you know, correct for, for want of a better term, or help them with or coach them for. Um, so we're definitely um, excited to hear more in that direction. I think I'd, I'd pick up on your point about you know, being blindsided by all this sort of new research and, and, and things. And the thing that I, that I see, and, and partially because I fell for, I since I fell for this myself, because it, it sort of sounds like it was a trick there, but uh, you know, when we had this new research come along, I mean, I, I did explain pain. I was there with, with David Butler and I, I also had no idea. I tell this story. I had no idea who David Butler was. And I just spent this entire time, this entire session, just hogging his time being like, what is going on, man? Like this is you, you're blowing up my whole my whole worldview. Everything's and all these people like lining up, ready to talk to him, and he's just talking to me because he's just like podiatrists don't turn up to these things. Um, <laughs> so he was just like trying to like what I what I realized was trying to just like crack our profession in a way, being like we've got to convert more. But the, there's a replacement effect when and because it's like oh well now that we re-understand pain, we've re-understand we need to see the individual all of this old research goes out, out the window. We're not looking at biomechanics anymore. We're not looking at posture anymore. We're just looking at how we, how we do this pain stuff. And what we're missing is how it all joins together. It's the biopsychosocial model or the inactive model. It's how everything works, works together. And so that's sort of, you know, a big part of why I chose this topic. It's a big part of how I'm going to speak to things. It's the big reason why I want to zoom out to zoom into zoom out is because nice. by looking at that research and saying, well, here's the, 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 what's going on in research that we have from a tissue level from, you know, just, and this is where observational studies are so good because an obs or these lower powered studies as they're called are so good because they're less controlled. They're less specific. They're less, um, averaged in many different ways. They've got smaller sample sizes. And when you plug that into your understanding with bigger studies, and then you plug that into your, and you, you look at it from a much more inactive, that biopsychosocial sort of approach. There's lots of amazing tidbits that we can pull out that tell us how it all fits together. It, it's, mm. it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's just about looking at it from a different lens and then just not looking at RCTs because the RCTs in a way, while they are much more powered for identifying causation, they also just muddle things completely. And a big part of, you know, our discussion, a big part of, you know, cause health, why I, um, I, I came on as one of their communication and education partners, um, which I was shocked that they, that when I, when they first had, <laughs> they first like, would you like to join? I'm like, I'm nowhere near smart enough for it, but it's, it's just about really being able to understand and push out the message of, there's much more 
forms of evidence that we could use. These lower power studies, it's not about poo-pooing RCTs. It's about going, well, actually, these are two different types of science or two different levels of science that come with pros, that come with cons. Same with RCTs, there's pros and the cons. How does this all fit together? And then when you have an individual turn up, how does that individual fit within that research? And then what knowledge can you gain from them as a N equals one experiment of your own? And yeah. you sort of start to combine everything together and it starts to make a heap more sense than just, again, you know, replacing this knowledge with, oh, now pain's the next thing. David Butler's that's got the, a That's the massive, a massive vulnerability though. And I think we're all guilty of it, but I, I can't help but ask because I've always sort of, pondered and wondered and and i know that very there'll be varied opinions on it but but particularly there's almost a vulnerability in podiatry when you think about the sort of um the physics the biomechanics the uh nature of almost a and there's even a, an element of engineering that goes on um within your profession relative to say uh, physiotherapy my own um what do you think that that almost that background and the relevance of those factors still you know not as if they've been moved on from that people then can't help but think okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be less bothered about forces for a bit, but I'm going to then be just all about the wiring. It just becomes neurocentric or, you know, it's like, uh, I've, I've had uh, worked with some fantastic podiatrists and to some extent with some patients, it's great to see them move in this direction, but then sometimes they kind of stop short of actually getting to anything vaguely holistic where they sort of say, actually, yes, you know, your, your body is like a car, but instead of me telling you that you've worn down your brake discs, it's actually that your wiring's glitchy and they've just sort of swapped out an analogy um, that, which I'm not saying that inherent to that analogy, especially when a patient brings that forward, it can sometimes be a really useful way of moving them to something that's a bit bigger than said shop you know, brake pads are being worn out. But I just mean that then is there something more inherent or a disposition of what might be motivating podiatrists to even become podiatrists that could mean that your profession itself has a bit of a vulnerability in that direction, even more so than other professions. Yeah, I I guess I'd be I'd be careful talking about from a UK perspective because I I haven't worked in the UK, okay. um, but I, I I would hazard a guess because we see it here in Australia is that a huge amount of people are working in private practice or a huge amount of people working in departments in a way that that um, promote this that that promote this view we have I mean we see this with um, I saw a study on using psychosocial questionnaires in clinical practice at the pain society conference here just a couple of months ago. And it literally just said, they said, it's tricky to implement this because senior clinicians don't see this as useful. Right. And so we've got systems and senior people. And we, we don't have, I feel like as much of a system that's going, actually we need realistically, we need greater skill sets. We need to go back and relearn new tools at the end of the day. That's what we have is we have these, these tools that, that we have, we have footwear, we have orthotics and then, the other thing that we have is the easier tools to pick up are a shockwave or a laser. And so we've got this potent mix of a reductionist, you know, sort of approach where it's just, it's all about the tissues and getting, getting healing. We've got a huge amount of experience of people getting better. And the other thing that we have is that if you give someone an orthotic and it doesn't work, there's a good chance they're probably just not going to come back. And so from an experience perspective, I see a lot of people not tracking those people that aren't coming back and thinking and reflecting. So there's that experience right. component. We don't have, like I said, a lot of these extra sort of tools. We don't have exercise taught to us really. We don't have a lot of experience with that. And so it's harder to see the one, the benefits of that, 
but also two, then it's a big skill set to go and learn. I went back and, and redid a, I did my post-grad uh, at a, um, at the University of Otago. And that's where I learned some exercise prescription. And even then I didn't feel confident enough. I went out and became a strength and conditioning coach and worked in a team for two years, just prescribing exercises. So it is a lot of work. And so you start to layer this all together, the biases that come with experience, the the biases that come with a, that, that reduction as a viewpoint, the experience of seeing it work for quite a number of people. And you're also just missing the fact that when you give someone orthotic, are they going back to the gym? Are they going and doing some exercise? Are they doing these things incidentally that you're attributing to, to just being your wonderful orthotic and people come back and tell you, you've made wonderful orthotics and for, and you combine that with a, 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 a private business sort of focus, which is especially in Australia, which is the more that you sell an orthotic, the more that you sell shoes, the more people come back to get them recovered. That's a huge business aspect. Uh, the pressure of of senior clinicians for for that's the treatment focus, and the fact that we are in a way completely disconnected uh, as as a healthcare system from each other, meaning that we're not working in teams. I, I think you know I, I chat to GPs here, and and you know a lot of them are annoyed that that we make decisions that ex- we aren't always trained for as podiatrists. I am trained to, you know, with my postgrad to to do a lot more, um, and they're annoyed that we're doing it. But part of it's, and they're going, you don't have the training. And part of it's like, well, we need to work in teams. You know, one of the things of that I see the NHS is you have like pain teams and specific teams for for different types of people to go to where they have a number of different professions and they all learn off each other. We don't have that exposure as well. So we're, mm. just, we're, we're just having no chances for really, in a way, for us to, to break out as right. a profession in that way. That overreach is is more you're more vulnerable to overreach and, and pushing outside of say competence or what is perceived as such by others if you're not in good communication or having those cross links or again that shared language that you might have um and so absolutely it's it's only through us making sure that we continue to push those overlaps and and, and thwart those distinctions that some want to make uh, blur those lines rather than sharpen them that we'll get there which again um, is exactly why I'm so delighted to see you on the roster. Uh, so uh, remembering now in this conversation as to why I was so excited to, to chat to you again today and we'll, we'll catch up again soon, please. But yeah, um, Therapy Live, um, come, and, come and listen to Alex's, Alex's talk. I don't have the um, specific details in case the time has been given just yet, um, but, but basically... You're at 9 a.m. Oh, right, right. brilliant. Well, because it's, it's going to be late here. And I, and I told Jack, I said, you've got to put me early. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, so you'll be you'll be there with a with a beer in hand, perhaps, and everyone will be thinking, "Blimey, he's on it for breakfast." So uh, that would be that would yeah. be uh, that would be for the UK. But yeah, I think obviously we've got yeah a worldwide speaker base and and hopefully a, a worldwide delegate base as well. I'm sure. Thank you again so much for for contributing. I'm really excited to see it. I'll be tuning in for those of you that. And especially as someone who who does um, enjoy Alex's work beyond this, and, and so uh, his therapy live talk is going to be a belter. For those of you that have got a bit complacent with just think, if someone a patient says to you like, "Why has why has this happened to me then?" and you just give some sort of lazy answer to, "So well, it's a failure of shock absorption, or it's just or it's just overload, or whatever it might be," or you might be in in that biomechanical space where you've got some sort of narrow answer. If you if you're being sort of really unicausal about something. 
then Alex is your guy to sort of broaden your horizons, but without completely losing you as to where some of the things I've just said might be factors in some cases. And, and how do you tease that out? How do you integrate it into your clinical reasoning? This is your guy, absolute superstar in the game. And so um, perfect speaker for Therapy Live. Thanks again, mate. Really appreciate it. Where can people find more about you at Head of Therapy Live on socials, et cetera? Yeah. On, on social media, the rehab podiatrist, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's TikTok, unfortunately, as well. It's just <laughs> I wondered if I, you'd played TikTok. Yeah, I've been I've been hiding from it. I know the team have sort of been dabbling and stuff, but I'm I've been hiding. So yeah, I'll have to chat try and find your stuff. Maybe you'll inspire me onto that. But yeah, no, no, follow me on all the socials. I've also got um a podcast I do regularly on individualized care, real clinicians, real chats. Uh, with myself and lovely physiotherapist and Hakomi psychotherapist Kit Wisdom, um, and I also um, am podiatry systems as well for my actual official education. Superb! No, thank you so much again, and yeah, let's keep in touch. Looking forward to Therapy Live. Hopefully, see you there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Thanks for having me. Take care, mate. All the best. You too. Here at Physio Matters, we think physio matters. Access the library today and get access to the biggest lot of MSK content on the planet. Watch at home, work or up a mountain to ensure your knowledge is at its peak. Physio-matters.com. More content than you can balance a treatment couch on.